you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. We'll be reading from the book of John, um, chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in in, in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Who abides in, whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, and whoever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciple. As the Father has loved, has loved me, so I have loved you and abide, abide in my love. If you keep my commandment, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandment and abide in his love. This thing I have spoken to you, and my joy may be in you, and your joy may be full. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Michelle. Well, good morning, church. Uh, welcome this morning. As uh, Mike says, so great to have you all here. If you uh, don't know me... Um, my name is Zach, and get the joy of serving as one of the pastors here. Uh, and yeah, as Mike was saying, we're kicking off a brand new sermon series this morning, uh, a little bit different to what we normally do. Uh, as Mike was saying, we normally go through a whole uh, book of the Bible, um, which is um, the way I like to think about it, the way that we go through a whole book of a Bible is like, that's you and me um, sort of consistently eating our three meat and veg, all right? We're getting... Is it three meat and veg, or is it meat and three veg? Who cares? As long as there's meat, um, we're, we're getting our regular meal, all right? Everyone's on that same page. That's how we get our regular healthy meal, our, our nu- nutrients uh, consistently into our souls. Uh, but from time to time, it's appropriate to uh, sort of zoom out a little bit, um, maybe snack on like a fancy Indian curry for a little bit, um, and just like really just sort of just embellish in the, the good things that uh, God's got to speak to us about, um, and do that in a more intensive uh, way. And so in this series, what we're going to be doing is looking a bit more across the corpus of Scripture. Uh, we're going to be in a few different Gospels, uh, sort of touching on a few different Scriptures. And yeah, as Mike said before, we're really looking at that whole concept of how do we abide in Christ? How do we remain in Him? How do we grow and uh, strengthen in who Jesus is? Uh, and so um, I'm really looking forward to this. Um, uh, and so... Um, Here's a vision or a a hope for what this sermon series will uh, do for us as we are intentionally trying to know Jesus and make Jesus known. Um, Here's the the vision for it. That our church would continue growing as a city on a hill, uh, not not the institution or the organisation, but as like Jesus says in his uh, Gospels, that we would be that city on a hill shining uh, the light of Christ 
as we abide or remain in Christ through grace-driven intentionality, fixing our eyes on who Jesus is, what he says and what he is making us to be. And so here's how we plan to go about this series over the next seven weeks together. Uh, We're going to dive into God's Word and intentionally stare at Jesus, stare at who He is, what He's done uh, and what He says to us. Uh, We're going to be considering intentional steps together to keep refining our practice of looking to Jesus. The theologian Don Carson, he says, people do not drift toward holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate toward godliness, prayer, obedience to Scripture, faith and delight in the Lord. We drift toward compromise and we call it tolerance. We drift towards disobedience and we call it freedom. We drift towards superstition and call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch towards prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism. We slide toward godliness, uh, sorry, godlessness and convince ourselves we have been liberated. Such a, a challenging quote um, if you're anything like me, every time you read it, it hits like a Mike Tyson right hook. It's just constantly hitting hard against uh, what I want to be the truth. I want all of those other things that Carson mentions in that quote to be my truth. And yet he keeps in this little quote, bringing us back to what scripture is reminding us about every single time we come to it. The words that our uh, passage this morning end with in verse 11, as Michelle just read for us, then have major implications for our lives, especially in the context of the world and secular culture we're a part of. Jesus says in verse 11, I've spoken these words that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. How desperate is our world for a fullness of joy. And it wouldn't take us long to consider all the things that our world is doing in order to pursue fullness of joy. There's the surface level things like uh, our houses chasing after the great Australian dream of owning your own home. There's our careers, our education, our status among peers. There's the pursuit of joy through money or the stuff that money can buy. Henna and I were in Maya the other day. We got some like really cheap coffee cups. Because um, I'm into those little ones that you can try and do some little latte art in. And so I needed to move away from the grande size cup. Um, went to Maya. They had a great sale. That's just an FYI. Um, but when I was in there, well, it just stood out to me and it shocked me by just the piles of stuff everywhere. Like, and stuff that doesn't really help anybody really live. Just stuff that we fill our houses with and it just sits there and does nothing Um, and it's so expensive and in reality so ridiculous Uh, and it's just stuff and we're so gravitated towards it, we're so attracted to it, we want it and maybe then on a, a deeper level for our hearts there's also that societal affirmation being doggedly chased by uh, individuals or groups who are longing to know joy in their own bodies and identities. Men and women being lured into the trap of pornography or ungodly relationships, addictions to substances or activities, 
trying to dull the hurt of unmet joy that we continue to experience in this life. And unfortunately, these realities are not just an out-of-church experience, but are certainly true for many in the church, even those who might confidently be professing Christ. Maybe those lists above are a bit too intense for you. Maybe you feel like a lack of joy uh, for you is just due to the fact that uh, maybe you're a full-time mum or a full-time dad and it's just like you never get a minute alone because your kids are your constant and if you do get a minute, then you've probably got something to clean or organise. Just this constant sense that our full joy is just always just out of our reach and if we could only do X, Y or Z, things might be different. Well, Jesus actually gives us the answer as to how to have this joy, his full joy and this is how we are going to kick off this series by looking at Jesus and considering what he has done, what he says in his word and who we are becoming because of him. So the first point I want to consider this morning, uh, just sort of walk through the title, The Vine, The Trellis and The Crow, and try and give us a bit of an introduction, a bit of a, a foundational theological approach to what we're hoping to do over these next seven weeks. So firstly, The Vine. Uh, this passage uh, that we're in this morning, John 15, it sits bang in the middle of what is known as Jesus' upper room discourse. Uh, his parting words to his disciples before his arrest and crucifixion. And John's gospel account uh, records these words most comprehensively, pretty much all the way from chapter 13 through to chapter 17 is what's considered Jesus' upper room discourse. Uh, can I encourage you, if you hear one thing from this morning, it's spend as much of this sermon series as possible, just reading chapters 13 through to 17 as often as you can make happen. There will be nothing except for incredible spiritual depth and formation that will happen in your life. Um, I know that there is a little bit of like sort of awkwardness around like how committed to like just the red letters in the Bible should we be? If you've got one of those that has both black text and red text and the red text is the words that Jesus actually spoke um, and sometimes people forget God wrote the whole Bible. Um, but uh, important sometimes to just sit, just go and be in the red text. Just go and look at those words that Jesus spoke intentionally to his disciples in this upper room discourse um, and just saturate yourself in it. So if you hear, if that's all you hear from this morning or these next seven weeks, I'll be a happy pastor that my church is more deeply committed to reading these words and having the very words of Jesus shape and form us over these next seven weeks. Does that sound like a good idea? Yeah. Fantastic. Let's uh, see if anything else is good this morning. Uh, so yeah, chapter 15, it, it's also the last of Jesus' I am statements. Throughout John's Gospel, he records Jesus attaching uh, a range of different like metaphorical or analogical um, references to himself and he's, trying to, he's doing this in order to try and help people better understand who he is and what he came to do. And here in verse 1 of chapter 15, he says, uh, it's the final I am statement, he says, I am the true vine. Like the other analogies Jesus makes, like I am the bread of life or I am the living water, I am the good shepherd, etc. Uh, this statement means a lot to the Israelites. The vine um, or the picture of the vineyard was a, a deeply entrenched image for the Israelites. 
Usually it would speak of faithlessness or fruitlessness across the the Psalms and some of the major prophets in the Old Testament. However, here, Jesus is saying that he is the, the true vine. In other words, in him there is true faithfulness and fruitfulness. And then Jesus also says that his father is the vine dresser or the gardener. What Jesus is communicating here is that God the Father and God the Son are the main characters of this passage, not you or me. It's going to be really easy for us to read this passage and think it's primarily about us. We see a whole list of things uh, that we can do in order to maybe try and be better Christians, in order to better ourselves and possibly even earn a slight bit more affirmation from God However, even in verse 1, Jesus is making it clear that He is the source of our life and the Father is the one who directs and shapes according to His will for His own glory. Jesus is the vine, the very thing that gives us life and flourishing and the Father is the one who sovereignly shapes and forms our lives by the work of His Holy Spirit and through the truth of His Word. Jesus then continues on in verse 2. He says that every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, to my shame, uh, I was already pastoring a church in Dubbo when I came to see and understand the beauty of what is known as the doctrine of election, uh, which is the set of beliefs which tell us how God went about choosing those that would place their trust in Him and the work of Christ on their behalf. In my mind, this is the most beautiful aspect of the Gospel, that as Paul tells us in Ephesians 1, that He, God, chose us in Him, Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be blameless and holy before Him. This incredible concept that God already knew all those He would call to salvation and that those who are in Christ, the Father doesn't just save but also makes righteous, makes like Christ. Christian, this should be so warming to our hearts this morning. We can be reminded as Jesus goes on to say in John 15 verse 16, you did not choose, we did not choose Him, He chose us, that Jesus before the world was made, before the mountains were in their place, before the ocean filled the vast valleys of the earth, He elected, He chose those who would be united to Him by the faith which the Holy Spirit grants to us as a part of the depth and wonder of God's great grace to His chosen people. And if you're with us this morning, checking out church or trying to understand who Jesus is, let this be an encouragement to you as well, because Paul goes on uh, in that same chapter of Ephesians 1 in verse 7, he says that in Him, in Jesus, we have redemption or we've been saved, we've been rescued through His blood, which is the forgiveness of our trespasses, our indiscretions against God according to the riches of His grace. And we aren't just given salvation, as I mentioned 
before. We are given newness of life. We are given transformation to be made like Jesus. And this happens by our being united to Christ, by our being placed in Jesus. If you pay close attention to the words of the the, uh, scripture we're in this morning, in verse 2, it says, every branch in me. Now, there is something about the inness of our lives with Christ. Jesus is going to go on in verse 5 and he's, he's going to say that he is the vine and we, like his disciples whom he is directly addressing this to, we are the branches and that apart from him we can't do anything at all. As we dive into this sermon series over the next seven weeks together, we need to be absolutely sure that it is because the Father has placed you and I in Christ that we can continue to be made like Him. It's not because we put ourselves in Christ and therefore it's not because we work hard that we remain in Christ. And one of the major issues I think our modern church is facing is the me-centric approach to Christianity. We've convinced ourselves that we have added Jesus to our lives. And how good is that? We've done something amazing by adding Jesus to our identity or our way of living, almost like we might add a gym membership to our life or we might add a, um, we might add a new job to our life or whatever it is, we might add something to who we are and we almost congratulate ourselves that we made the right choice on adding Jesus to our lives. However, church, Jesus is not an add-on. Is not something that we include in our lives. When the Father unites us to Christ, we are being placed in Christ. It is the gracious work of our Heavenly Father we are brought to spiritual life by His Holy Spirit, that we come face to face with the reality of our sin, our rebellion against a holy God, and we come to see that it isn't because we did anything good or right to earn God's favour, but that it's because God so loved us that He sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to live perfectly the life we cannot live, to die sacrificially on the cross, the death that we deserve to die and that he was raised to life three days later. And Jesus makes this clear in verse 3. He, he states so clearly for us that already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. This word of Christ being the one who wins for us life and light in himself. We see that's because God has placed us in Christ, united us to Christ, made us branches that exist in the true vine of Christ, that we have salvation, that we are, because of that now, day by day, being made more like Jesus as we continue to abide or remain in Jesus. This takes me to my second point for today. Throughout this series, we'll be encouraged from God's Word to intentionally abide or remain or stay in Jesus. And this requires, as Carson said before, grace-driven intentionality. It requires us structuring our lives around the good gifts that the Father has given us through His Holy Spirit for our flourishing. 
Uh, a bit of an extended quote here, but the pastor and theologian Jacob Smith, uh, I think that's ironically the same name as the guy who invented Mormonism, but it's not the same dude. Um, uh, he says, It is God our Father who, as the vine dresser or gardener, he does the pruning to make our lives fruitful. Sometimes this means our lives can be trimmed back to a nub. Yet the cross assures us that we are already pruned, already clean. So when things are taken away, even good things, or when we face trials and tribulations, these are not signs of God's absence. Instead, they are most often signs of his redemptive presence, assuring us that we are clean. As Jesus, by his word, prunes away the idols and the dead branches of our lives so that we can produce fruit that lasts. Throughout periods of both harvest and pruning in our lives, as Christians, we abide in Jesus as we keep those commandments that connect us to Christ. His word preached, baptism, holy communion, these commands of Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit lead us to repentance, to seek his forgiveness and to receive the full assurance that we are still abiding in the vine. At the same time, through the commandments of Jesus, his joy is found in us and our joy is full as we receive the gospel of Christ and share it with the whole world, laying down our lives as a living sacrifice. Which takes us to our second point, the trellis. Our intentionality, our grace-driven intentionality about remaining and staying and abiding in Christ. Let's read uh, verses 4 and 5 out of John 15. Jesus continuing, he says, Abide in me, or remain in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I know I've told this story before uh, for a different sermon, but it's just such a helpful way to understand what Jesus is saying here. So I'm going to tell the same story again as if I've never told it before. Back in Dubbo, uh, I would uh, do some casual labouring with another pastor in our church who was a builder. And one job that we went to was to replace a large grapevine trellis without destroying a very old and very fruitful vine. Uh, and as we were uh, going about planning our job, I noticed at the end of one of the branches, there was water dripping out of it. And this branch end would have been probably three or four metres away from the actual main vine, which ran down the side of the trellis and into the ground. And it was astonishing to see uh, that water, this life source, was obviously being sucked up by the branches from this main vine, and so much so that it was leaking out the end. It was this incredible picture of flourishing. However, uh, this trellis wasn't too far away from collapsing and causing devastating effects for the flourishing of this vine. And so Jesus tells his disciples that it's only by abiding in him, by remaining in him uh, or staying in Christ that we can do anything. That is, that's the only way we could possibly bear any fruit for the kingdom of God. That there's only, that's the only way we could grow in Christ-likeness, grow in godliness, grow in holiness. The only way we can do that is by abiding, by remaining united in Jesus. For apart from him, we can do nothing. 
And we tend to have this attraction to hearing that there's something that we can do in order to improve our salvation. Because of our fallen nature, we have this tendency deep inside of us to want to prove ourselves to God, that we are worthy of his salvation, that we can be good enough, that God should love us and give us a place in his kingdom. We hear parts like this in sermons and we start to get a little bit excited that finally the pastor's going to tell me what I can do in order to be a better Christian. I'll be able to improve myself, but we really need to be careful right here. In fact, this will sort of be the, almost like the cliff edge that we walk this entire sermon series. Yes, there are things that we can and should be doing to intentionally be abiding and remaining and resting in Jesus, but we cannot afford to let these things become a means of us thinking that we are now getting to a place or a point in our Christian lives where we no longer need to be depending in Christ and his finished work on the cross and in his resurrection. This grace-driven intentionality, this trellis building and maintaining is not in order to uh, replace our absolute dependence in the vine. It's to help us remain connected. Thinking about our grapevine again, even if we manage to build the most structurally sound spiritual trellis into our lives, if those branches... And thinking back to the example of one I was building, even if me and this other pastor built the most exquisite, uh, structurally sound grapevine trellis the world has ever encountered, as soon as those branches become cut off from the vine, the strength of that trellis means nothing. The ability of that trellis to hold things up, even holding it off the ground, keeping it safe from bugs or keeping it safe from rot, maybe keeping it safe from flooding, uh, even if we're to wrap all of that in netting to keep uh, birds and bugs and all that sort of stuff away from the vine, as soon as those branches become disconnected from the vine, neither the trellis nor the uh, bird uh, netting, none of those things, none of our insect sprays, none of the things that we use to try and keep these vines healthy will matter at all. As soon as that branch is disconnected from the vine, it has instantly started its decaying and will die. The work that we're going to be doing in our rhythms and structures as we consider building and strengthening the trellises in our lives cannot result in our security, in our spiritual life coming from these structures. The point of trellis building is to ensure that we as branches can continue to remain, to stay and to abide in Christ, the true vine where all of our life and flourishing comes from. In verse 10, Uh, Jesus goes on to tell his disciples how they are to go about abiding in him. He's been sort of going through uh, those next couple of verses between verse 5 and verse 10. He sort of repeats himself a couple of times, but he's just trying to really hammer home that it's about abiding in Christ, abiding in his love. See how uh, Jesus has abided in the Father's love and in his commandments. Do likewise uh, abide in who Jesus is. And in verse 10, he makes it so clear. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And what is interesting about the Greek word, uh, tereset, tereset, 
Teresit, that we translate as keep here in verse 10, is less concerned with the, the idea or the concept of perfect obedience to a moral law, and it's probably better translated as cling or treasure. When Jesus says that abiding in his love requires keeping his commandments, it's like saying to a drowning person in the ocean, the only way they're going to survive is if they cling onto that life preserver that we just threw out to them. Of course, when we recognise that living God's way is the way of flourishing, then keeping Christ's commandment, intentionally keeping our eyes fixed on Him by building these structures into our life that put our eyes and hearts on His sufficiency is absolutely necessary. The truth of the matter is that we can uh, come to know Jesus, we can be Uh, united to him, we can be rescued from our death and our darkness, uh, find forgiveness for our sins, we can um, come to Christ knowing that he has rescued us from that, that he has taken that rightful punishment of our sin upon himself, we won't face that, we will now face heaven and life in Christ, we know that we could just have that, we could just see our salvation in Jesus be a, a ticket into heaven and on one level, that's fine. On one level, yes, that's what it is. We are trusting in Jesus, knowing that he is the one who has rescued us from our sin and death, and now we will have life in him for eternity. But church, God loves you and me far too much for it just to be, hey, here's a ticket into eternity with me, but he's so much more interested in you and I becoming like Christ, you and I being reformed, remade, uh, transformed, conformed to that beautiful image of who Jesus is, Uh, not just for the sake of you and I having a better life and looking more like Jesus, but for the sake of bearing fruit. Uh, Something incredible about John 15 is it's actually extremely missional. It's not just about you and I becoming better Christians, it's about you and I seeing who Christ is making us, that we might take that incredible gospel message into the world, that our life, our holiness, our godliness would match so intentionally and so well with the the wonder of the message that we are proclaiming uh, as we speak to our friends and family. God is so much more interested in you and I looking like Jesus. And in order for us to do that, we've got to be intentional. In order for us to... uh, keep connected to the vine, to remain in Christ, to uh, stay and rest in who Jesus is. We have to be intentional about how we go about that, about building things into our life, about thinking about, uh, you know, even something simple, the the weeks that we're going to have between week two and week six are very particular topics um, and they're going to be helpful in helping us think through different uh, ways that we can structure our lives or build routines into our lives that help us put Jesus and who he is at the forefront of everything that we do. But one very quick thought um, is just the simplicity of our showing up to church week by week. I think in our over-individualised society, we have um, so, to our own detriment, uh, pushed down the value of what it means to come here and do this together. I know for an absolute fact that I am not the greatest preacher on the face of the planet. 
but what I do have is God's Word. And every time you and I gather together and someone stands up here, we read God's Word, someone like me tries my hardest to help you understand it and see the glories of Christ in it and through it, what's happening, not just in our lives individually, but as a body of Christ together, is one of the most um, mystical but miraculous things uh, in God's good gifts to us. And so I want to encourage you, uh, if there's one thing you work hard on during this sermon series, it's be in church as often as you can humanly make it. Be in your gospel communities as often as you can humanly make it. Uh, Let's think about how we prioritise things. Do we prioritise me and mine or do we prioritise the people of God being under God's word, um, hearing, receiving, sharing, encouraging, serving, loving one another as we have been loved in Christ? Now, that's a really easy word for you guys to hear because you're here this morning, uh, so you nailed that one, well done. Um, But I want to encourage you to take that into how you're thinking about the rest of this year, how you're thinking about setting up and structuring your life going forward uh, and thinking as well about how you're praying for your friends and family that they might be coming to church, not to tick the religious box of like, yes, we, we did that this week, good on us, but because what happens here is so uh, necessary to our remaining and abiding in Christ, the true vine. Lastly, uh, the, the final point, and by far my shortest point, the crow. In the whole grand scheme of thinking about uh, grapes or fruit growing on vines, uh, of, uh, fruit growing on trees, and we're, we're trying to create structures that help those trees remain strong and steady, there is always the threat of birds, there's always a threat of animals coming and destroying what is being, uh, even though intentionally built and looked after, there is always the threat of those things coming and destroying what has been deposited. Uh, Matthew 13, 3, Jesus, uh, in the parable of the sower sowing seed into different contexts, uh, he says that the birds came and devoured those seeds that were thrown out by the sower. And then he explains it a bit later in verse 19. He says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. And here's why it's so uh, necessary for you and I to be intentional in our abiding, our remaining and staying in Jesus Christ because the enemy is super intentional and super strategic. The enemy is not just casually walking around, seeing who he might, oh, there's a dude, I'll devour him. No, John 10.10 tells us that uh, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. It's his entire purpose is to come and remove and devour that seed of the gospel and the kingdom out of our lives. He'll do it through whatever means he can possibly find, whatever tiny little angle, whatever little crack in our system he can wedge himself into. The enemy is absolutely hell-bent, pun intended, on making sure that he comes in and steals and destroys that very thing that God has been depositing to us as we're in his word, as we're praying, as we're coming to church, as we're encouraging one another. The enemy is looking for absolutely any tiny little way that he can come in. He's incredibly intentional. He's incredibly strategic. And so church, how much more so you and I need to be intentional about remaining in who Christ is.
the opposite side of John 10.10. 10. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but Jesus, he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. That in Christ we might flourish. So to wrap us up this morning, here's this vision, my hope, my prayer, what I'm praying every morning as we're walking through this sermon series that God would do in our lives is that our church would continue growing as a city on a hill, shining the light of Christ as we abide, as we remain in Christ through grace-driven intentionality, fixing our eyes on who Jesus is. If he is the vine, if he's the one where all life where our grace, where our freedom, our mercy, where uh, our light is coming from. We are intentionally, uh, through grace-driven intentionality, we are fixing our eyes on who Jesus is, what he says and who he is making us to be for his glory. Let's pray together this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the true vine. We thank you that even though there are so many other uh, options of vines, there are so many other options of us trying to find our own life, our own uh, means of identity, our own uh, ways of doing things, thank you, Jesus, that you are so clear that you are the true vine. You are the only one in whom there is real life, real light, real freedom, real joy, real flourishing. Heavenly Father, we thank you that by your good grace to us, you have chosen us and you have united us to Christ as a a gift of your grace towards us, something we entirely do not deserve, something we are completely unable to earn in and of ourselves. You freely give to us the gift of being united to your Son, Jesus, of being placed in him. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we walk through this sermon series, would you protect us from the trap of self-righteousness, from the, the cliff edge of us thinking that our salvation might come from the trellises or the structures that we build into our lives. May those structures be so intentionally pointing us towards our absolute growing independence upon you and your goodness to us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we have your word, that your Holy Spirit has been gifted to us to help us understand. Holy Spirit, that you point to us the things we need to repent of, the, uh, the, the encouragement to keep trusting Jesus, that you draw us together and gather us for your glory. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we continue to walk through this series, our eyes and our hearts would be so doggedly fixed on you, who you are and all that you've done for us and all that you are making us to be for our good and for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au dot au